Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. We are looking to James chapter 1. Go with me, please. James chapter 1, and then we're going to go over to 2 Samuel chapter... I think we're going to go to chapter 18, then we'll slip over to chapter 21, 2 Samuel 18. So start with James. We're going to go to the New Testament. It's been our verse throughout the series, and the series is the crown. Following three successive kings, King Saul, King David, King Solomon. And we've been on to King David... If you are interested in the past, which I do encourage you, we have it on podcast now on our website, auroracornerstone.ca. Go back, listen to it. You can do that while you're walking, biking, traveling to and from work. You can listen, get caught up if you haven't, or catch up with some of the ones you've missed. We are in David. We're looking at King David. And the whole focus is how do we, and this verse flows out of that, James 1, 12. Here it is. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Note that part. Having stood the test, you will receive the crown of life. So Father in heaven, we ask that you would guide our conversation today. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Manifest your presence and change our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Got some questions for you. Are you ready? A little bit of uh, back and forth here. Q&A, ready? Question. Who was Sir Frederick G. Banting? Okay, come on, you know the name. Okay. Perhaps, the answer, perhaps, you might have said, the man from the University of Toronto who discovered insulin. One of our own. Question, who was Alexander Graham Bell? All right. (laughs) The man who was behind the telephone? Question, who was Lester B. Pearson? Now, if you said the airport in Toronto. (laughs) Perhaps the late Prime Minister of Canada? Who was Babe Ruth? The grand slammer of baseball, perhaps, would be what you would be saying. Last one here. Who was Jim Carrey? (laughs) Did you know he was born in Newmarket? Born in Newmarket. Go Newmarket. All right. Now, if your answers were those answers, you are actually wrong. (laughs) The discovery of insulin is what Sir Frederick Banting did. It's not who he was. Hit grand slams is what Babe Ruth did. It's actually not who Babe Ruth was. Jim Carrey acted and did comedy. He's the funny man, but it's not who he is. The Canadian Prime Minister is not who Lester Pearson is. It's something he did. Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone. It's not who he is. You see, there's a vast difference 
between what we do and who we are. Now, this is important. A vast difference between what we do in life and who we are. So, what I do is what you see of me here. What I do, you see of me for an hour to two hours a week. But who I am, well, Lori gets to see that 24-7, for better, for worse. We tend to confuse vocation with personhood. We do that a lot, particularly in our Western society. For instance, when you're introduced, who do others see you as? So here's why this is important. Because retirement will roll around. And when retirement rolls around, when retirement is introduced, if we haven't got this thing clear, then we end into, go into an identity, bit of an identity crisis at retirement. Who are you now? Who are you now? Because often we will introduce ourselves for what we did. That's not who you are. It's what you did. Because as you make the transition, now who are you then? If your identity is based on what you did. Tracking? So we're looking at King David. And yes, we're at the, coming to the end of his story. Probably next week, Lord willing, I'll just do some wrap-up. There's some things I think, big lessons. Because he actually shares a few words on his deathbed. And I want us to look at that. Because that's very significant. We'll do that next week, Lord willing. But David's story, we've been, we've been talking through these. Each one of these was a session. First was David was raised in obscurity. He was developed through the love of God, through a life of loneliness, and out of that, a great king. God would remove a number of crutches in David's life in order for David to learn, don't depend on them or that, depend on God and God alone. David would have a lot of trouble in home. We spent a whole session on David's trouble in home. He had a lot of stuff going on. David struggled with forgiveness like we all do. He had a hard time truly forgiving And David had second to none, a circle of friends that he developed around him. People that tracked with him in life and helped him through the hard times. So let's go to 2 Samuel. Now I trust that you're bringing your Bibles. We're in a new initiative this year. So uh, if you got your Bibles, thank you for bringing them. If you forgot them, uh, remind yourself. Feel free to go on your phones and put a reminder and flag yourself. Bring your Bible next week. Okay, so I encourage you to bring your Bibles because there's something, because I want you to mark them. I want you to, uh, if you have a pen seat in front of you or something, to mark. I want you to mark some of the scriptures. And today is found in 2 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to go to verse 2. 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 2. David sent out his troops, a third under the command of Joab, a third under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zariah, and a third under Itiah the Gidite. The king told the troops, I myself will surely march out with you. Verse 3. But the men said, you must not go out. If we are forced to flee, they won't care about us. Even if half of us die, they won't care. But, remember the book of David, but David, you're worth 10,000 of us. It would be better now 
for you to give us support from the city. So how did the king take that one? The king answered, I will do whatever seems best to you. Okay, go with me. I'm going to slip down to uh, chapter 21. We actually pick up a battle. Chapter 21, verse 15. Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines. Now, they already had that conversation. Just a couple chapters later, there's a battle taking place. So David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. Verse 16. And Ebenob, son of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels, who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. Verse 17, but Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him. Didn't swear, but oh, you know what I mean. He didn't turn to David and start cussing. But they turned to David and said, never again will you go out with us to battle. Now note what these words are. So that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. Hmm. Okay, this is the story I want us to center around this morning. Athletes, executives of companies, salesmen, entertainers, farmers, tradesmen, merchants, you name it, entertainers, can no longer do what they do. There comes a point of being benched. When you're benched, you got some serious choices. One of the choices is being bitter about the changes in your life. A couple of tragedies can result from this. First of all, aging people can be dehumanized. They can be criticized and reduced in their personhood and who they are. Secondly, Another tragedy is our society loses a valuable resource. I want to start by saying the younger desperately need the older. So one day King David, uh, true enough, was given his gold watch and a 30-year pin and sent home from action just like we all are. The whole thing came about as often as the case without David's choosing. He didn't want this. This was not of his choice. The story begins to unfold. David was firmly on the throne. He's king. Arguably the best king ever that Israel's had. Another battle breaks out between the Philistines and the Israelites. The battle broke out on the Philistine front and the aging warrior, David grabbed a hold of his old armor, his faithful armor, and he began to strap it on. Began to put on shoes and around his legs and put the armor on the breastplate. Began to gird himself up the helmet on to go to battle. He got the sheath, he got the sword, he got the shield. He's going back. He's done this hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. It's another battle and he needs to go into action. Now David had learned way back at the time of Bathsheba, the place of a king is at the front line. 
encouraging and being there and fighting with his troops. He needed to be there. So he straps it on. But here's the problem. He's over 60 years of age by now. Back then, I mean, that was an old 60. That was an old 60. Uh, It was a tough life. You didn't often get too much past. Most didn't live to 60. And so he's past 60 years of age, and he's going out to another battle. Here's the problem. His stamina is not what it used to be. His reflexes are failing. His eyes are not sharp. And his hearing. Don't you just hate it when your hearing is going? (laughs) Eh? (laughs) So, huh? What'd you say? Your reflexes aren't quick. You're tired quickly. Probably didn't sleep well the night before. Probably you're up to the bathroom three times. You know? And it's different than when you were 30-some going to battle. He's in his 60s. So he's in battle. The battle is, he gets into the battle, and, and he's good. He's good. But as he moves into battle, his stamina is down, his reflex is failing, and he's quickly exhausted. He can't move, maneuver, run, jab, step back as quick as he used to. And they spot that. They spot the weakness in the king. And in that exhausted state, the Bible says a cousin of Goliath. He's a cousin of Goliath. You know the story of Goliath. And they have not forgotten the story of young David taking down their hero. A cousin of Goliath sees the aged king. And he's exhausted. In David's prime, he would never attempt this. But David's not in his prime. David is exhausted and this cousin of Goliath moves upon David, the story we read, comes in and to take out David, he would have killed David had not one of David's bodyguards saw that. And he stepped in and he took the guy down. Now they needed to have a conversation. <laughs> now I'm sure David, you know, you know, he could have said, maybe David could have said, you know, when you know, David's struggling with this guy and he's almost ready to go down and, and, and outmaneuvered by this cousin of the Philistine and Abishai comes in and takes him down. I mean, you know, David maybe said, hey, Abishai, thank you for that one. Woo, that was a close one. You know, man, these old cleats of mine, they're not like they used to. I slipped there, you know, and I would have had them. I would have had them, but I just slipped. You know, I got to get better cleats. You just see how, have you ever heard the excuses, right? Why you can't do what you used to do. I mean, we have to ask the question, David, how could you lose a simple battle with this guy? The same David who took down Goliath single-handedly brought in 200 Philistine foreskin in a sack and slapped him down on Saul's desk for the rights to his daughter. The David who, song, who sang song after song that, that spoke of the mighty wars. And if this is the same David that the people sang the song that Saul took 1,000 out, David took 10,000 out. This is the same David. In his prime, there was no one like him. He was no ordinary fighting man. David in his prime terrorized the countryside. David in his prime traveled with 600 of crack troops, 30 mighty men. Each of them, the Bible says, was the strength of 100. He had the best of the best. He was the Navy SEALs of the day. That was David. Is this now the warrior that needs help to fight one ordinary Philistine? 
I could feel an awkward silence in that day. When David misstepped with the Philistine in his old age, Abishai came in and took him down. I could, you feel the awkwardness. The text just, you have to see it in there. You have to feel it in there. The awkward silence as the battle is taking place, but these, these elite step back for a moment with the king. And they're just kind of sauntering around the king. They're, somebody's got to talk to him. Somebody's got to talk to him. Quietness, awkwardness just killed out that Philistine, but the conversation has to happen here. Who's got the courage for a long overdue confrontation? And one says to him, my king, my lord, we're your friends, but we realize the time has come for you to hang up your sword. David, go home. This chapter You can hear the swords clashing in the background. This chapter of your life is finished for your sake and for our sake. Go home, David. Now, what do you imagine happens here? I mean, his heart must have been broken. This is what he's been doing. This is what he's known for. Perhaps taking that old rusty sword of his and sliding it into the sheath for the last time. Perhaps drags himself, did he drag himself, shuffling into the chariot, gets into his chariot, his shoulders slouch as he turns the horses around from the battle and heads back. Perhaps he gets back to his palace and he opens up his computer and checks to see how his RSPs are doing. Has he got enough to get through these days now? You know, will he... uh, Maybe get a new set of golf clubs. Maybe he needs to get a a place on the side of the golf course and take out membership. David was going to go home to stay. Maybe that's how the picture is that is in our mind. If that's how you picture it, you are wrong. Our old soldier did not go home to sulk his years away. No way. Not our man wearing the crown. Remember, this is a story about you got to wear the crown. Both when you're young and when you're old, you got to wear the crown. And David was not about to abandon the crown. You see, wearing the crown requires more of you and me. Don't compare yourself to what your neighbor did at retirement. Don't compare yourself to those who are getting older around you. When we wear the crown as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, we're different. We need to be different. David was, when he got back to Jerusalem, he was already dreaming bigger dreams. In David's sunset years, realize this. David did some of the greatest exploits for God when he no longer could go to battle. Some of his best days were still ahead of him. Think about this. In those days, David got back into his palace and he began to do the drawings of the great temple. He was the architect behind it. He began to put out the drawings of what that great temple. He wanted a permanent place where God could dwell, where the cherubim could be set. He wanted the best of the best. And so he began to put the details together of what that temple would look like. He bought the land. He bought land. He, he began to expand in preparation. 
He equipped his personnel and a lot of personnel. He got them ready. He began to train his musicians. Read of the story when Solomon dedicated the temple. Solomon wasn't the musician. David was the musician. He began to train the musicians. Get them ready. It is going to be something good because only the best is what God deserves. Lots of musicians. You see, what made David different? What made him different? What made him different from most millions of people? 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 17. I want to read that again. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistines down and killed them. David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle. Here it is. So that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. Can everybody say that together with me? Come on. So that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. Mark that in your Bibles. David wasn't sent home because of his uselessness. He was sent home because he was so useful. He was at his best. David was too valuable to risk in a battle. He's too valuable. David saw, he understood his identity at this point. David, if you ask David, who are you? He would never define himself as a warrior. Others said he was a warrior. Soldiering was something David did, and he did it for a period of time. It's not who David was. Rather, David saw his real identity as the lamp of Israel. So who's David? He's the lamp of Israel. He's a lamp. When Hearts ache for comfort. Where do Christians go today? Well, we don't flip to the scriptures to read the battles. When our hearts are aching for comfort, you and I today go to the poems and the songs of Psalms that radiate the lamp of Israel. Many of the Psalms, not all of them, but many of the Psalms were written when he was in his golden years. They were written to encourage you in your battles. And how many millions have gone to the Psalms? I do. You go to the Psalms and, and you just need something. You just need a word. You need a word. You need a word. We did that today before you all came in this morning. We had a time of devotions here, a time of prayer for the service today. We went to the Psalms. Arise, O God, David speaking. Arise, O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered. David knew what he was talking about. We go to the Psalms. He penned them. In his, many of them, not all. But he penned a lot of those Psalms that brought encouragement in his golden years. I think our 21st century culture has got it wrong in many ways. Because progress, we think, we think it's all about productivity. And so if we're producing something, that's the, prod, the progress. Productivity requires power, and we place our priority on youth and energy and looks and ambition. You know, the shakers, the movers. And we perhaps dehumanize the elderly as they move into that point. We want warriors. We don't want lamps. We want warriors, not lamps. But here's what I believe. I put this up on PowerPoint for you. I believe the church does not so much need its cranked turn by energy as it needs darkness illuminated by the lamps of Israel. We need the lamps of Israel today. We need both. 
You see, with age, serious believers become valuable mentors. Young believers tend to defect. Just like the story of that little Jessica, we need those to come alongside who know that you're going to make it in this journey. Don't give up. Don't quit. We need the stability of the aging. Job, he understood this. Job 12, verse 12. Job says, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Thanks, Job. So to the young here this morning, listen to these words. To the young here, I'm not going to ask who feels young because I know all the hands go up. To the young here this morning, listen to these words. Prize spiritual depth over your energy. Your energy will wane one day. Prize your spiritual depth. Go deeper. Prize that. Seek out young people. Seek out young adults. Seek out millennials and Gen Z. Seek out older folk who sparkle and beat the path. You get to their door and ask them questions about life. Then listen to what they say. (laughs) Young people do that. Listen to them talk of their work. Ask them questions about their marriage. Listen about the stories about their children. Talk to them about money, about temptations, about loneliness, about suffering. Talk to them about death, about heaven, about your doubts. It will change the way you think. Beat your way to their door. Young people, listen to the words. And to the older ones here this morning, hear these words. Trust what the word of God says about your value. Don't compare it to the younger. We need the energy of your spirits where the energy of your youth is inadequate. Don't simply cling to your youth. Don't simply mourn the loss of your energy. Going home from wars. You need to be something more than just a warrior. You need to be a lamp. You need to be a lamp in your Israel. And you need to be an intentional lamp in your Israel. Not just half stance. When there are youth in your midst. When there are young people, young adults in your midst. Don't gripe and complain about the generation. Quit griping and complaining about the new music. Quit griping and complaining about the times. Get in beside them and encourage them. And pray for them. And stand with them. And help them walk through their journeys as you listen to their Don't simply tell all your stories. Listen to their stories. And then help them in their generation. Amen? That's what God needs today. I think there's the disconnect. We as the church, you've heard us talking about the prayer lamps. That's why I called it prayer lamps. We have prayer lamps on Wednesday at 12 o'clock here at the church and the kids downstairs and the youth, any prayer requests that come up, parents, any prayer requests, we are taking those prayer requests to the prayer lamps and for 15 to 30 minutes they're praying for our kids. Why? Because that is one of the most important things we can do is to pray for our kids. We can teach, we can go through things, we can have fun, we can do laser tag, we can go to conferences and stuff. But what they need is they need somebody to pace with them. And who better than the lamps of Israel? So make yourself approachable. Open up those opportunities. If they're not beating the path of the door, then make your door a little bit more inviting. So that 
they're not simply hearing the gripe of this day and age. Let them hear of your belief that God is doing a great thing in this day. He is. He really is. Lori and I have just had our hearts enlarged in the last six months working with our youth here at the church. And our hearts are enlarged because we believe now more than six months ago what God can do in this generation. We believe it. Absolutely, 100%. Be the lamp of Israel as you move into that. So elderly, as we move into that place, you're not identified by what you did back there. You're identified by being a mentor and a coach, an encourager, somebody who's going to pace along with another generation and to encourage them and to be there and to pray for them and to hold them, faithfully hold them, let them know. You will not let them go. You will not let them go. Huh. I was reading about a pastor whose whole goal, he's, his desire was he would be financially independent by the time he's 40, not to enjoy life after. He wanted to be financially independent by 40 so he could spend the rest of his life self-supported in full-time ministry so that he could give it away to others. I mean, you think of a number of people who were at their prime. Abraham in the Bible, he left Ur, his homeland, at the age of 70 and started that long trek. At the age of 70, he started over. Aaron, Moses' brother, was 83 when he and his brother Moses at 80 left Egypt. Edison was busy in his lab at 83. Winston Churchill, we know the story of the war, led Britain. He was 76. I don't know, who doesn't like the story of the little house on the prairie, right? Well, Laura Ingalls Wilder, she was between 70 and 90 years of age when that story was written. It's been a great story. Cecil DeMille produced the movie The Ten Commandments, 75. Michelangelo, St. Peter's Basilica, Rome. He was into his 70s. Hmm. Boy, we can learn a lot from that, can't we? We can learn so much. Somebody once said the tree's usefulness is not being cut into benches and furniture. The tree's best usefulness, when it gets old, it provides the greatest shade for those that need it. 2 Samuel 18, verse 3 in our text. The men said to David, you must not go out. For if we are forced to flee, they won't care about us. Even if half of us die, they won't care. Note the words. But David... You are worth 10,000 of us. It would be better now for you to give us support from the city. And I like the answer so simply. The answer from the king. Not a great big spiel about he's the king and they're not. And he's going to do what he feels like he's going to do. No, no. The answer, verse 4, the king answered, I will do whatever seems best for you. I'm here for you. Ah, I'm here for you. To all this morning who are growing, well, we're all growing old. (laughs) Some of us got a head start. To all of you who are old and growing, all of you who are old and growing, we need you. Desperately. We need you as our lamps. We need you as our shade. We need you.
Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.